a weekly salon for serious thinkers hosted by Dr. Francine Hardaway. Karma Club is streamed live on several platforms and is also downloadable as a podcast. Hi, everybody. Hang out for a minute while we ping some people into the room. You can probably help. Hi, Rick. Hi, Eli, on call inside. Ellie, or... <laughs> Always get him wrong. Hi, Ellie. Hey, it's it's really either Eli is, is just fine. <laughs> and so, and to all those wondering, uh, we're live on both Call In and Clubhouse, so um, there'll be audiences. Long time, and I can't get anyone to speak up to speak on either side. I've been trying to get oh, Not Barbara. Barbara. Ellie, are you still on the East West Coast? Uh, yeah, Los Angeles. Okay. Um, I, I might be taking a brief trip to New York uh, nice. later part of, of September. Well, it, it's it's a mission, and like you know, traveling during COVID and monkeypox is not uh, so attractive nope. to me. But Barbara, how are you feeling? And Barbara on the call. <laughs> well, I'm blind as a bat, but I have a huge magnifying glass so I can look at the. Don't. I can mute myself and unmute myself, but I'm just here to hang out with you guys. So thank you. Great. Okay, please. We want you. We totally want you. And Rob, yay, my bartender. Hey, Francine, how are you? Actually, I think I'm going to hop to the, the clubhouse yeah. side. The, the... Come on over. I want to know what happened to... Cotton Club. Uh, it evaporated <laughs> um, for the most part. I mean, that's as specific as I'm going to get. <laughs> Good bar it's joke. Bummer. It was really my favorite. Yeah, it was a lot of people's favorite. It was my favorite. But uh, all good things, all that, you know. Come to an end? Yeah, I mean, except... Oh. Here in Georgia, Raphael Warnock, his terms in the Senate will not end when I vote in the midterms. So I'm excited for that. Oh, cool. Andrea, I was going to make you a moderator, and instead I put you in the audience. Ellie's in the audience as well. He's back. Oh, Eli, hi. Eli, I can't get Andrea up. Uh, maybe they're busy or... Oh, there you are. Here I am. Oh, my God. I, I'm sorry, girlfriend. I threw you in the audience by mistake. Okay, I'm used to you throwing me around. <laughs> no, you're my friend. You can... Thank you. No, you don't have to apologize to me, Dr. Francine. He doesn't want to come up. And Kathy Hochul is going to remain as governor of New York because she's running against a Trump, apolo Trump apologist or Trump backer, Zeldin. So when I get out to vote <laughs> on November 8th, but I am trying to get in as a poll worker on August 23rd uh, for the end of the primaries. Is August 23rd the New York primary? 
before Congress, yeah. Oh, wow. Hey, and some state legislature. Hey, do you mind if I share um, Eric's um, thing that he put in after we vote? All right, let me start the room. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Karma Club. We have a new format, much more formal than formerly. Uh, new Suits format, and ties required. No. Much more formal than formerly. Um, I'm going to spend the first two to five minutes introing you to the Park Karma Club and the topics to be discussed and three questions we want to address. And the reason we're putting these three questions out is so that you can start your own rooms through Karma Club um, and deep dive into these questions. Um, the last five minutes of the show will be a summary um, done by Barbara, and we're going to do a quick sh shout out now and again at the end to invite you guys to the Karma Club Geneva community, which is actually picking picking up. Um, what's I just want to I just want to add, Francine. No summary on my end this time because I cannot take notes. I can't see worth anything for today. Oh. So, but but I'm so glad to see you here, Barbara. Had Thank you. Barbara had eye surgery yesterday, and I didn't expect her to be here today. But she is one freaking trooper. So she is here, she, blind as a bat, but she can mute and unmute, and that's all that's really necessary. Um, because Barbara's Canadian anyway. I'm just kidding. I mean, I'm not just kidding. <laughs> But it's not that you can't give your point of view because Heyman's also Canadian. Yeah, we're just and here you know, to support our neighbors. You know why we have Canadians on this show? Because Karma Club is nice. It is nice people. I started this club two years ago, and the goal of it was to have perhaps um, controversial discussions, but among nice people good people, people who aren't, you know, idiots um, or out to do something with their own agenda. And this week I have, and there's the link to the Geneva community. It's a really nice community. And the reason I did it was because I have 29,400 followers on Clubhouse. Don't ask me what that means. It means zip, but I have them. And if Clubhouse, and a lot of them I know, and if Clubhouse goes away, I don't want them to go away. So I'm trying to start like a backup plan on Geneva, which is a very nice little startup app, you know, that probably has less money in the bank than Clubhouse does. But just in case, I don't want to lose anybody because I love all of you. These are, these are real friendships and real relationships that we have forged online. So um, a comment in, in terms, I haven't used it for group messaging, but there is an app, a uh, cross-platform app that also works on web browsers called Element uh, that has good encryption and, um, uh, you know, does support, you know, group discussion uh, rooms. If, if I mean, again, I haven't used that functionality, but I've seen it said that stated that it that it uh, supports that, and you can either use their servers or or put up your own servers for that. So, I mean, I, I know it's it's platform uh, fragmentation, but that's that's an option that's probably worth looking into. Well, thank you, thank you, and let me thank you for mentioning it because here's the thing. We are, all these platforms aren't going to make it. I mean, no matter what the, the, the propaganda of Web3 says, all of the, all of the platforms aren't going to make it. So we're going to be, we're going to be by ourselves <laughs> and, and we're going to have to make, make our own group. So, and keep our communities together by, um, Actually, by touching them um, virtually, 
by participating in them and by making them into um, places where people would like to be. All right, so that's so much for the beginnings. Karma Club will continue um, as long as as long as it can, because I enjoy doing it. I enjoy talking to people, and I enjoy meeting people. Speaking of that, why not ping some more people into the room? Because we are going to have an important discussion, I think, about the 2022 elections, which is, (laughs) the the discussion is going to be, who actually is going to show up? We have... um, we have a lot of statistics from After We Vote, which is a club that I belong to that's specifically devoted to protecting democracy. Oh, and did anyone see the New York Times article yesterday? The New York Times article said that the Republicans no longer want to protect democracy because they don't think we have a democracy. They think America is a republic and they want to protect the republic, but not the democracy. So that that sort of upsets me. Dr. Francine, we didn't need to wait for that New York Times article. Mm-hmm. Leo had been talking <laughs> about our republic for a long time, even though he was a co-founder and after we vote and pro-democracy. Right. But but what I'm saying is that the, the I think, Republican, the way this thing is split off now, and it really has split off, is the Democrats are the party of democracy and the Republicans are the party of the Republic. And do people even know what that means? You know, I mean... Anybody want to it's tell a, me? It's a, the Republic concept is when the state, the supreme power is held by people in their elected representatives versus democracy, which is where the government by the whole population are all eligible members of a state, through ele- usually through elected representatives. So it puts more emphasis on the will of the people and the vote of the people. You mean democracy? Democracy. Okay, so there are three questions that I want to ask in this room. I want to get to all of them. And I, I have this format overlaid on my naturally unstructured personality. So pardon me if it's not, if, if I don't hit it perfectly, but I know I'm going to get used to it. I know I am, I know I am. The three questions are, what is the Republican primary registration versus the Democratic primary registration? Um, the second one is how many primaries are remaining and what are they? And the third one is where's the energy, as in who is going to actually show up? So that And that is probably going to end up being the biggest discussion because the others can be solved by pieces of paper that have statistics in them. So I will, I, I think I will start. Does anyone have a guess as to whether more Republicans or more Democrats uh, registered for the primaries this year? Do you have Eric's document? I do have Eric's document. I was going to make people guess, but <laughs> I mean, I yeah, I don't uh, know, and I mean, I it's kind of it might be Republicans actually. It's probably Republicans, just because of who's in all who's winning now. That's my or guess. or because. Or because Dems are switching <laughs> to Republican Party a, a bit to try to help Ooh. that cause. But I think one good news is that there is a bigger primary turnout uh, than than usual. Uh, but I don't recall the breakdowns. It's amazingly it's amazingly bigger than usual. I am um, 
I'm reading off this in every single state. Um, primary voting is up in Georgia. It's up a hundred and you can tell who's in contention in Arizona. It's up 116% in Georgia. It's up 131% in Kansas. It's up 184% in Maryland. It's up 112% in Nebraska. It's up 108% in Nevada. It's up a hundred and twenty percent. Generational. Do we have any generational splits to this? And do we know historically how when people register to vote actually vote, Andrea? Uh, well, typically, young older people vote more than younger people. I don't have a breakdown by gender. Uh, I do think that's changing. I think the greatest number of young people turned out by far. There was the Obama effect. Uh, back then, and then I think uh, also in 2020. Um, so I don't have that data, Barbara, but I can, I mean, I'm going to say one thing for optimism. Dr. Francine, you were on a bit of a down low note the other day. In I am a total pessimist. Right. But here's what happened in 2020. We did it. My buddy, Aaron, no, he's not here anymore. Rick is here. In 2020, the largest number of people turned out to vote in the history of elections in the United States. That was in response to something. That was because of lots of grassroots mobilization. Pa- Trump was actually popular back then still. And, and so it can be done again. That's all I'm going to say. And okay, uh, bottom line, bottom line is 22,106,954 uh, Democrats voted in primaries so far. And that is up a total of 76.44% from the last midterm election, which it, Eric wow. always slays me with these numbers. Is there's, That's a lot of people. And uh, yet it is still not enough, but a lot. You're right. It's progress. There was a comment made on the call-in side saying that mostly people with college degrees and some higher education, they're basically the electorate right now. Is that true? Like, do we know the demographics of the electorate? Julio, Julio, who mentioned that on the call-in side, if you want to come up, uh, that'll be great too. Go ahead. Well, I'd like somebody who does not have a college degree, you know, I mean, truthfully, I know very few people without college degrees or... I know, um, Rick, you're in the audience. I know a lot of immigrant um, now, you know, green card holders that don't have college degrees that are uh, doing service jobs. Um, And actually, I don't know if it's because I live in New York, uh, in Manhattan, it could be, but, you know, I found that a lot of immigrants that I speak to or natural, you know, citizens in the processing of naturalizing have green cards. They are so on top. Uh, it, it, it could be a New York phenomenon, but they are so on top of the political situation. And man, when they get the right to vote, they value it quite highly uh, because they, usually sacrificed a lot to get here uh, and still kind of believe and buy into the system uh, and want to make it work. Andrea, I just pulled up a stat from Brookings. I'm not sure. I mean, it's just a stats from 2018 primaries. Uh, I'm just wondering like whether the, the demographics also difference between the primaries versus the final election, because according to the primary election, uh, the majority of people who voted uh, according to Democrat, they did Republican and Democratic voters. So, for instance, the Democratic voters, they said the primary electorate, uh, the racial disparity was uh, 57, uh, 54% white uh, versus the Republicans, which was 86% white, uh, versus college degrees. They broke it down at educational levels. Um, in the uh, primaries, uh, 8.5% of uh, yeah, district average was, uh, didn't complete high school, while college graduates were 21%. Postgraduates were twelve percent, 
um, and college degrees were 31% and high school graduates were 25%. And, and sorry, what was your question or your the other part of the comment besides oh, the data? Oh, sorry. That, uh, and think, and it, usually the turnout is greater in the midterms right. and, in, and in regular elections. Right. Um, I'm not sure how it breaks down across no, those. I'm just wondering also about the primaries, like whether the, the decision made by uh, the predominantly maybe, as the other commenter mentioned in the chat, uh, whether the people with degrees and uh, so forth are deciding the voter, uh, the candidates for the general population, if that's the case. If the primaries are filled with people who actually have degrees and so forth, are the electorate, the reason why people don't show up for electorate, I'm just thinking out loud here, whether the reason why people don't show up for elect elections as much is because the candidates chosen are chosen by primarily people who are educated, I guess. Well, truthfully, truthfully, money to run. True, yeah. Sorry, Francine. Truthfully, in Arizona, <laughs> the only state I know anything about, um, basically... In Arizona, a lot of Democrats don't even bother in certain districts to run a candidate because the, the districts are gerrymandered to the point where um, there's no hope for the Democratic candidate. So those races are decided in the primaries. In Arizona, a lot of district elections are decided in the primaries. There has, I did hear, um, for example, so there's there's financial barriers uh, to, to running uh, in certain uh, elections specifically, but I do know that there are efforts. Um, I was listening to an excellent uh, podcast by Ezra Klein um, where they were talking about the need for uh, more middle-class for the for the Democrats in particular to reconnect with the the middle and working class, and also to um, get more of those candidates uh, into into races, and that often the barrier was the cost of that. Um, and but there are some really great organizations like Run for Something, particularly targeting uh, younger candidates as well, and working with them and helping them uh, not only finance and run campaigns, but then um, you know, uh, as they're getting up to speed in their in their position. But I'll tell you something very interesting, which is there are a lot of very uh, big primaries remaining. I mean, I thought most of the primaries were over, but they're not. No, there's like six big ones left, right? Yeah, Michigan, Florida, Florida. New York, uh, Massachusetts. Delaware, New Hampshire, Rhode Island. Yeah. And does Louisiana not have a primary election? It says Louisiana statewide primary election down here. Nobody knows. Uh, yeah, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, Who's up in New York, though? Oh, the governor? Or in the, um, the, 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 prim the primaries were split. Um, the first primary was held for governor. The second one that's about to happen, early voting is in progress now. And on the 23rd of August, it's uh, for Congress, uh, in national level, and some state legislature seat. I don't know, actually, why they decided to split those races, but they did. Yeah, but like any, who's the Congress people? Any notables? Well, the one of the biggest, well, Carolyn Maloney, uh, who's like the second most powerful uh, woman <laughs> in in Congress, uh, is is up for re-election, uh, and of course, um, I mean, the governorship is quite. Uh, notable because Governor Kathy Hochul was the first uh, woman governor in New York, and also she's running against Zeldin, who was is a major Trump supporter. So that has you know 
that has me staying up at night, even though, you know, I think there are parts of New York that are kind of purple and we shouldn't ever take it, it take it for granted still um, the, the, the democratic, you know, that New York will stay blue. Uh, I say that, especially when I saw how quickly Hochul responded to gun um, to strengthen gun legislation after the Uvalde and the, this, you know, the, terrible number of shootings across the country and also um, to codify Roe versus Wade and to make it a haven state for other women. Uh, you know, I, I want to make sure that she gets in and with a big march. Well, you know, I visited my um, stepson in upstate New York last, maybe right before the 2020 election. And I was stunned by the number of MAGA hats in all, you know, the Albany, Schenectady, and Troy, the Tri Cities area. It 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 gets pretty purple in upstate and in parts of Long Island, and yeah. And that always was true because upstate New York always thought that New York City got everything, and so upstate New York did whatever, you know. It opposed anything New York City wanted to do. So I guess that hasn't changed. But I want to know, and this is where we need to spend the bulk of our time, I think. Where's the energy? Is the energy on the Democratic side or the Republican side to to go out and actually vote? You know, I could not answer that question because, of course, I live in Arizona. <laughs> if, it, if my friends hear me say one more time, I live in Arizona, they're all going to shoot me. Because every time they, my, my friends who live on the East Coast or the West Coast start to talk about something, I open my mouth and I'm like, yeah, but I live in Arizona, and it isn't like that in Arizona, and it truly isn't, because Arizona, you know, Arizona elected an entire slate of election deniers, and in in um, upstate Arizona or northern Arizona, where I spent my summer vacation. There are people who just simply hate government. And actually, some of those people who now hate government are my friends because they feel that, uh, oh, well, let me explain the power of language for a minute. You have to understand that the Republican Party does not call the Biden and an administration and administration. They call it a regime. Do you understand what that means? Yes, that it is autocratic, something to be fought against, illegal. Uh, <laughs> yeah, are, I mean, I feel and like that they think in autocratic terms. I feel like Shireen taking these words apart, but this is a very powerful word regime. You know, they are not talking about, you know, a normal, they don't think the Democrats are normal people in the opposing political party. Francine, I have... Uh, That's because they've been radicalized. Uh, I've got Jenny on the other side. I know Jenny from Colin's side. And she, she also, one thing you guys don't talk about is the power of memes. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Jenny, you're next. Uh, Jenny, there you go. Jenny. Hey. Hi, long time. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. Of course. Uh, I'm, I'm interested in what you're saying, Francine, and I have been a Trump supporter since before the election in 2016. So going on six years of loud support for Mr. Trump. And Tell me I why, Jenny. I, I mean, thank you. First of all, thank you so much. For, for coming, but I, I'd like to know why, because, I, I, you know, we can't have a system where nobody talks to the other side. 
I totally agree. And that's why I show up for this show. And I'm going to show up for a bunch of other shows that are led by more progressive people, even communist people, because I feel so passionate that we need to talk. Go. <laughs> talk, okay. Jenny. <laughs> two things, two things. I believe that Barack Obama lied about his birth certificate and it was Donald Trump who compelled him to bring it out. So that was number one. Number two, I'm a vaccination abolitionist, long-term activist speaking out against vaccination. And Donald Trump and Rand Paul were the only ones during the Republican primary who were able to even articulate a need for parents to have the freedom to choose whether or not their children were vaccinated. Nobody else, left or right, even bothered to talk about it. So those two things impressed me. But really, the main reason that I came out strongly supporting him is because I am a person of faith. And there have been many Trump supporters who have also had these same promptings. And I had a literal prompting from the Lord that he wanted me to come out loudly and strongly for President Trump on my blog and all of my social media back in the day. And I was confused by this because I had never had that happen before in all of my political and activism. Okay, so I can... I can definitely go with you on the vaccination stuff because we really didn't know anything. And the CDC has admitted they made a lot of wrong decisions. And and it is possible and, to have a rational conversation about vaccination. And also just to just to point out the fact that vaccinations do work. But I mean, there is a controversy around the certain specifics of certain vaccines. Now, uh, again, like it, so just saying that there's no blanket uh, answer to any of these questions and that's how the CDC is also going to work out during the process. It did resolve from a healthcare standpoint. It did lessen the impact, but it didn't solve the problem. But, right. But, but the vaccine, man, I think Jenny's talking about the vaccine mandate. Right, right. That's yeah. exactly yeah. what I'm Sorry, talking Virginia. about. Yeah. I am all about freedom. And if somebody wants to vaccinate their kid with every single shot that the CDC recommends today, go for it. I'm not someone who's going to stand in their way, but I absolutely claim bodily autonomy for myself and for my minor children. Okay, so then, if, if, so then I have this question: if if you if you are claiming bodily autonomy for yourself, which, uh, by the way, I also believe in, um, can you then say that nobody has the right, to, women especially, don't have the right to choose um, whether they're going to terminate a pregnancy? How do you, how do you uh, square that with your position on bodily autonomy, with which I wholeheartedly agree. Well, I'm pro-life, but I also believe that women who've been victimized by rape and incest should have the right to choose whether or not to terminate up to 10 weeks. And that's my line in the sand. After that, I don't think we should have abortion. Well, guess what? You are a very reasonable... I forgot your beginning point. What was your beginning point that brought you over to Donald Trump? Because so oh, far... The, the controversy over Barack Obama's birth certificate and the fact that he would not share his credentials. Um, his social security card was from Connecticut. He never lived in Connecticut. There were many questions that went unanswered, and he mocked and ridiculed anybody who brought it up. And it was Donald Trump himself who was able to get him to put something out there. It was, it was deemed a forgery by people, people who are experts in this. And it was a big controversy back in the day. But I was impressed that Donald Trump could weld that sort of uh, authority around an, an issue that was very important to me personally. Uh, do you mind hey, if I, I add something real fast? Sorry, go ahead. Al. So uh, real fast, just uh, Julie. So I was not born in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm not from Georgia at all. But my social security number is from Georgia. And sadly, yes, I was born here in the U.S., but I was raised in Germany. But my I was born in Chicago, Illinois. My uh, social security number is from Georgia. So using that as a 
reason to say that he wasn't born here is not enough. And also, let's not forget, Trump did not produce his taxes. So you cannot tell somebody else to produce something and you do not do the same thing in kind. I think we could all well, agree on that. Uh, one question, though. I mean, from a... Setting notice a... How, hang on, Heyman. I, I, I just want to point out to you how many things we can agree with and how many things that even if we don't agree, we can at least talk about. And mm-hmm. I don't want to lose yeah. Jenny. Yeah. Because... No, Jenny, I've met her before. And, uh, and also one question, though, from a Canadian standpoint, or even any political standpoint, why are we so fixated on these smaller things when the bigger things don't take don't take that much time in your on your airways nor in your political discourse it's all about these these you know uh birth certificates whoever it doesn't matter yeah and also in terms of like tax and everything what about the big policy stuff why and, isn't that hey, being man, taken precedence please may i add on to that um also something that i've noticed when i've been talking i've been doing many taxi rides with pro tom supporters so i'm you know, I'm happy to hear Jenny's perspective and learn from her. Uh, But one thing I've noticed is that there is almost like a cult of personality around him particular in a way that I find very different and subtle uh, with other elected officials. And it is this, um, you know, he, I think he's done a good job, Jenny, of creating a, a narrative where he's being like, you know, attacked and, and, you know, oh, poor him, where he's almost a victim of an establishment, you know, attack. And so people tend to, uh, the people that I talk to, it, it tend to rally around like him, protect him personally. So I was wondering if you noticed that and whether you feel the same way. Uh, it, I'd be curious to, to hear that. Well, I do think he is God Emperor of the universe. And so I, you know, <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, no, I respect, I respect him. I respect him. And the reason why is because every decision he's made policy-wise, there were sev- seven lawsuits filed within minutes of him doing anything to fight back. And he has been so persistent amidst the storm of impeachment and all of the you know, just dogging him. Everybody's dogging him all the time. And he's still smiling and moves on. And, you know, I love that side of him because it it tells me he's a fighter and he's willing to go to the mats for the people. And that's why the people love him. It's because we really feel like he's on our side and he's fighting for our cause. And but you just said it right there, Julie. This is L. You just said it right there. He made you feel that way. He made you think that he is the little guy, he's the underdog, and he's just like the everyday person, the little guy on the street. When he's a multimillionaire that screwed small businesses numerous times. So the little guy, the person that you identify with, he's ruined so many lives of small businesses by finally bankrupt intentionally so he can avoid paying the money. The exact same thing could be said about Barack Obama. There was a cult of personality. Oh. He ruined small well, I'm not businesses. Talking about the, I'm just talking about, he lost but I'm not even talking about the cult yeah, of personality. Or why don't we just pull back and say, uh, hey, like politicians on whole, like who are successful, have to have a cult of personality. Even if you think of Bernie Sanders, right? He had that personality yeah, that reached out. Well, well but, I love, you know, Carrie, I love Lake said, Carrie Lake said something about Donald Trump that really, um, uh, we need a psychologist on stage, that, that, that Donald Trump and Rick DeSantis have big dick energy, which means they ha- they're like, you know, they're like strong men. And that opens up it opens up in my life in my feeling to something that says that says the popular kid maybe is that no 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 what 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 it says is that america likes 
strongman dictator types. Not not his not historically, but the in the wake of pandemic, there there are these shifts, and I mean, in the the pandemic kind of blew the lid, and I guess Trump was in there before. I mean, I think Americans okay. have tended to like anti-establishment. You know, first of all, they switch. You know, after a term, or at least after every two terms, they tend to switch. You know, the party and residents tends to switch to the next one and they have the same complaints generally about both parties right and so they tend to like right now it seems like it's it's not just an autocratic swing but it's a it's like an anti um establishment swing and and i think that trump has done a really good job at you know kind of capturing uh or the attention and the and the loyalty of uh the 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 work the working class and like the everyday person and it's just blown my mind because I've yet to understand what policies he's implemented that have actually really helped people and I have this conversation with my sister as a Trump supporter all the time I will say that uh Andrea or Andrea uh, Andrea thanks Andrea okay I didn't know sure. but I wanted to say so um we all know some of the history of America if you at least take in like your elementary history remember America was built on anti-establishment they were going against the crown and um, the U.S. has a history of exactly. that right there. But also, too, the, our politics, unfortunately, did a shift back in the 1920s when all of a sudden prosperity gospel was allowed. And that's when you have a lot of the infiltration of the church in our politics, which is why we one of the reasons why we are where we are now. And we have this very entrenched cult like personality where people are either Democrat or they're Republican and there's nothing else uh, allowed. So and the, the little things will never be addressed because society in America is broken. We no longer use critical thinking. We no longer use, use anything to think outside the box. We, are only, we only accept being spoon-fed whatever fits our narrative at that moment. And politicians, one of the words that they use to describe a politician is um, charismatic. And he makes them make you feel as if, uh, they're just like you. That's a trick. So you're not thinking. So they focus you, they have you feeling all good. They focus on these little things, but instead of focusing on the big things that tells you that, hey, we all need to work together and all these things are impacting everyone and not just you. They, well, they don't want you to know that. They want you to be divided. I want to go back to the birth certificate thing because I I feel like the birth certificate thing is is a dog whistle. Jenny, I, I hope you're still on the line. Sure, um, yeah. yeah, I'm here. I, I, okay. I think credentials Why do you are not important? think Barack Obama was born in the United States? His birth certificate that he finally did put online says he was. And there's no reason to think he wasn't. <laughs> I think the bigger the question, question is, is not the location. The question is the parentage in the, in the constitution. He has to be natural born. His father was from Africa. That does not infer natural born, whether he's here or not, you know, his parents were not both Americans. And so it, it's so much deeper than where he was born though, because it's his absolute devotion to Marxist ideology that I have the biggest problem with. And, you know, to, to the, to the point that, I, I don't know your name, so I can't say it. Oh, but sorry, Francine was asking that question. No, I'm the, lady, the lady before her who was talking about how, you know, you're, you're painting with such a broad brush about how we've all been just. Uh, Al, it's me. Okay, Al, just deceived about President Trump. I look at his policies. I've also been a long-term anti-child trafficking activist. Day one in office, President Trump signed an executive order that said we are going to stop human trafficking, not just you know deal that with was it. theater, right? That's just theater. They've been working on human trafficking for the longest time. That was just theater. I don't you, you believe didn't have that. To mandate. They've had, they've had, they have initiatives not just within the FBI and the NSA. They have global communities working on this. So for him to just put that out there again, it was theater to well, the UN. That. And I can, I can, I can, I can, and I can say 100% with authority and expertise on this subject 
not within the U.S. government, but having worked for the Nobel laureate who won uh, for the Peace Prize for trying to end uh, child trafficking and slavery. This globally and in the United States, they have been working on this. There's been a huge push and a long ramp up to whatever got signed. Well, let me say this. And let's not forget uh, Trump's uh, friends and his circle are a big party to that human trafficking. Look at, uh, what was the guy's name? That, Jeffrey uh, Epstein. Yes, him. And you yes, know, a lot, of the child trafficking, yeah, a lot of the child trafficking happens when Western, Western um, individuals with affluence and money go over to these other communities, specifically in Asia and in South America, with their wares. And that's where a lot of it occurs at. Well, let me put it this but, way. If Hillary Clinton okay. had been the president four years before... T- uh, President Biden, I don't think anything would have changed in terms of the Clinton Foundation, which started to be defunded the day after she lost the election. I do not think Jeffrey Epstein would have been arrested. Ghislaine Maxwell, Keith Raniere, Nixium, I don't think any of these networks would have been dealt with or put down if Hillary Clinton had been president. That's my personal take on it. And let's not forget Trump's history of sexual abuse as well. Well, let's, but Dr. Francine, I'm, where do you want the conversation to go? Because you asked a very important question that who's going to show up, answered, which was show up to the election. But, and where was the energy? That was the yes. I've gotten I've gotten diverted here because I don't want Jenny to be a racist, and something she has said has made me feel that she is the way that she feels about Barack Obama that he's a socialist, which there's absolutely no evidence for, and, and that his, you know, he's not a citizen because both of his parents weren't born in the U.S. And truthfully, Jenny, uh, my grandchild um, is an American citizen, and one of his parents <laughs> is Canadian. And he's still an American citizen. So that is in the law and it does happen. My father wasn't born here in the U.S. either. And my mom is from Puerto Rico, which is a U.S. territory. My father, he served in the military, in the U.S. military for 20 plus years. I also served. And I'm not saying... Mets were born in America. So I'm just saying I have the same background as Barack Obama. And I can guarantee you I've served my country or this country more so than there's, Donald there's Trump. There's a very and specific there's a very specific thing in the constitution that says they have to be natural born. When John McCain ran for president, there were people questioning his eligibility because he was not born physically in America. He was born over on a military base. Both of his parents were American citizens. The natural if born could... historically has been both parents are U.S. Uh, citizens. Okay, if I could be pulled back is, a bit. We I think... live in a country that's built on on culture and, and ever other ethnicity. That's how this country is built. That's why it's formed. That's why they called America the great experiment. So my question is, what does, and I'm not, I'm not going Dr. Francine Israel. I love you. I'm, I'm going, I'm going to play the other advocate and not use the R word. But my thing is, what does your America look like? Because our America, the one that I grew up in, is full of diversity. And, you know, it doesn't matter where you were born. That's why, you, that, I mean, the, the Statue of Liberty, mm-hmm. it literally says at the bottom, give me, you, you know, give me your poor. Give me your disenfranchised. And that's what that country's built on. This is what this country is built on. I and agree. his father went through the right route, just like mine did, to become part of this country. Barack like Obama's I said, dead. mine served 20 plus years. He didn't serve the military, but he went the route that he needed to take to be a part of this country. And I'm pretty sure his father paid taxes, too. Are you talking and about his Barack Obama's father, his birth father? Yeah, either either one. And let's not forget Donald Trump's father isn't from here either. Is his father, is his mother one of them? They're not from here. Barack and Obama's father was needed. from Kenya. So that's what I'm saying. It's the same thing. That's what I'm saying. It's the same thing. Like, you're, you know, it's the pot calling the kettle black. Like, you're saying Obama is X, Y, Z when Donald Trump is the same thing. And, and I'm, I'm going to put it this way. I'm not party affiliated at all. I do not believe in parties. I feel as though you should vote your platform and what is going to benefit society. So I'm not Democrat. 
or Republican, because I think they're both shit shows. But I'm saying if you are going to pick at someone, you also need to look at your candidate as well, because literally it's apples to apples. The argument that you're making in support of Barack Obama is lit. I mean, in support of Donald Trump is literally the same things you're calling out in the same person. It's, it's the same thing. That's what I'm saying. You have to look at the broader picture. I do. Barack Obama's policies leaned left, leaned socialistic, Obamacare, Common Core. Mm-hmm. All of these things were totalitarian. It's called the Affordable Care Totalitarian affordable care systems, Act. mandates, yeah. compelling people in education and health care to do things they did not want Can to you do. explain to me why the Affordable Care Act, what, what, what was the reason, what was the problem and what was the reason why the Affordable Care Act came about? Explain to me what was going on in society at that time where he felt the need, of, not just him now, it has to be a group of people coming together to help him put that together. It's not him just coming out in the middle of the night with Michelle having wine and they're just writing stuff. It's a group of people that are forming this together that's in his cabinet. So I want to know during that time, why do you, why, why did he feel the need to create the Affordable Care Act? What was going on with Americans at the time? I know why he needed to do it. I'm just saying I don't like the way what they was did going it. on in America. What was going on in America that required that to happen? Because usually there is, well, there's always a cause and an effect. And something yeah, and caused the, him to have to create that. And what was, was, my thing is what was going on in America? They were very comfortable putting in the mandates about buying this insurance. And when Trump came in, he said, yeah, we're going to get rid of those mandates because that's what people didn't like. They don't like it. Right. I think the climate, so let me, let me help you with this. So yeah, you're not, climate, so you didn't answer my question. 40% of, 40% of Americans don't. Yes, they don't. But uh, hold on. Uh, let me pull back a bit. I think uh, like I, it's like, uh, thank you all again for joining the Karma Club. Now, the only question is also is, okay, so let's make basically establish this. So there's that, you know, the the, the uh, Obama issue was the birth certificate. That still seems to be a, a significant point is in the on the right side, it seems. Isaac and Adam speak, visualizing this. And on the uh, on the left, we have the Trump issues with the finances and the fact that we each of us, it seems like both sides don't seem to figure out what the other person actually did for the country. Is that correct? Look, there was an MIT scientist named Jonathan Gruber. You can Google his name. He was the expert brought in by Nancy Pelosi to explain what their thinking was on setting up Obamacare. He said, call it the stupidity, stupidity of the American people or whatever, but we were going to have these mandates, but we lied to them and said, no, we're not going to have the mandates. And then all of a sudden they have the mandates. Oh yeah, everybody has to chip in. Well, not everybody wanted to chip in. There were people out there who were never planning to have children. They didn't want to pay for their neighbor's maternity care. There were people who were young and healthy. They didn't want to pay in. They wanted to pay for other things with their money. Trump comes in, he goes, we're getting rid of the mandates. That right there is a specific example of what the difference between the two. Don't tell me they're the same because they're not. But what about the infrastructure bill? There's people out there that don't drive cars. There's people that work from home and stuff. What if they say, I don't want to chip in taxes to pay for infrastructure because I don't use it? It's the same thing. People have to go to the doctors at some point in their life. You mean you don't have to have a child for it and stuff. But there's things that were going on in America at the time where people are living below the poverty line because they can't afford quality medical care. They cannot live a upstanding life. And by the way, they of still that. are. And they're dying. And then they're still doing that. And unless and also too, they neutered the bill where it was pretty much unusable. Everything that uh everyone's arguing about, like the bill is this, the bill is that, he had everything in the original bill. But the the other side of the party was saying that and there was Democrats as well saying, like, well, we can't we can't take this. The money, you know, uh, we need to take this out. We need to take this out. So you have a bill where people still end up paying exorbitant amounts of money. All right. Let me let let me um, pull all of this together. We have the same arguments over health care and health insurance that we had before Obamacare, Mm -hmm. although we have more people insured than we had before Obamacare. We have many people who hated Obamacare when it was passed who turned out to have to use it and be very glad for it during the pandemic. So, and the, and the whole goal of Obamacare was to keep people out of using the emergency room, which is the most expensive form of health care. So, what? Obamacare... 
Obamacare did not work perfectly because the only thing that that would work perfectly, you know, in theory, is universal health insurance. And the more I found out about it in Canada and in the UK, it's not working perfectly either because every uh, every because people are people and they don't take care of themselves and therefore they get they leave everything till the last minute and then they race off and say help help fix me fix me and this is not going to be prevented by obamacare romney care you, you know or any other kind of care the only thing you can do with the medical establishment because it is so powerful and such a big part of our economy is tinker with it around the margins and the edges and that's what everybody did. And, you know, you can say, put in the mandates, remove the mandates, whatever. And not everybody is ever going to be satisfied. But no, the yeah, attitude that not, into insurance companies and corporations. People. Sorry, Al. Uh, Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I, and what I want to say about all that is that the most depressing part of this entire conversation is that I can see that people don't necessarily want to be responsible for each other. If you don't plan to have children, you don't see why you should be responsible for, you know, mandated to help your neighbor pay for his childbirth. If you don't, and that is, that is to me the saddest thing about <laughs> I hate human to... nature, Dr. Francine. They only want help until they need it, just like government. Government sucks. Government, we, we're too big, we're too this, but until they need it, until something catastrophic happens, then they're like, where is government? But, but Hell, I, 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 I would add to what you're saying and say that, frankly, right now, we're in a similar situation. We're seeing rights being rolled back, and um, it's true that... Uh, there's a certain amount of the population that thinks, you know, they should be rolled back and that, you know, uh, but I'm, we're watching voter suppression happen where, you know, there is a lot at stake in these elections and, and we are culturally missing. And it's, I think it's partly fueled by capitalism, Dr. Francine, and saying I'm, I'm not a communist and I not, but the you say unfettered capitalism is showing some weaknesses now uh, with lack of social safety nets for some people. And, and there's kind of competition and individualism that reigns supreme quite often in America. You know, it's a values and a cultural shift that we're struggling with. And, you know, in some ways it's been made worse by social media with this kind of platform and interaction maybe being slightly an exception, but um, there, there's a lot at stake both to work together and care about each other because, you know, when, when there are a lot of poor people and when there are a lot of sick people, it affects all of us, you know, it destabilizes society. We have climate change coming down the pike. Migrants are going to increase. There's a lot of solutions out there, but we have to give a crap about each other and we have to figure out ways to work together and so I think the conversation with Jenny is great, but like it, and we don't have to agree and we can each try to fight misinformation, exactly. but yeah, we don't, we, we don't need have to get to out agree. the freaking vote. Yeah, Cause I don't want to feel like she's being jumped on. You know? Yeah. No, I, I, Jenny, you're not. Certain words. Yeah. Um, Can I say one more thing, Francine? We should we should not be looking for perfection. We should be looking for progress because what uh, what did they? Um, there's a few quotes about this, but all I can say is we should be seeking progress. Yeah. The Affordable Care Act was not going to be a silver bullet, yeah. just like any other things. And we still we need to. In, in a, the only way society works is everybody works together, and we try to be supportive of each other. Jenny. And what did they say? You can measure a society I, by how it treats its poor. Yes. I want and Jenny, um, sorry, I want Jenny is, to, yeah. to weigh in one more time before we end the room without knowing where the energy is in this upcoming election, because I got diverted off the last question. I was good for the first two questions and bad for the last question. Jenny? Well, thanks. I think the energy was really exhibited in, in Wyoming with Liz Cheney's election. You know, she went down. 
they did everything they could to support her and Wyoming said, no, we don't want her. So that's number one. But in terms of healthcare, Obamacare entrenched one form of healing. I'm, I'm someone who uses a lot of alternative healing. We pay for it out of pocket. This means we go, Me to the car, we go to the chiropractor, we go to the herbalist, we go to the massage therapist. We pay for it all out of pocket. I gave birth to a couple of my kids at home. We paid for our own health care. And so Obamacare entrenched drugs and surgical healing, which that's just one very small spark, uh, part of the healing spectrum out there. And so when you just focus all this money and energy on this one form of healing, these other things kind of get lost in the shuffle. And that was one of my big issues with it. And number two, I really have issues with the way the pharmaceutical companies have captured our government. They run everything. Okay, well, you, you're you allowed to come back anytime, Jenny, because I am 100% aligned with you on both of those questions. Well, and, and just because I, think, I called just because I called Barack Obama a socialist, a Marxist, I didn't like the fact that he didn't have his credentials out there does not make me a racist. I harbor him no ill will. I actually like the black half of him better than I like the white half. He was very cool. And so I, I am not a racist. <laughs> but that's part Sorry. It's another day. Another, one maybe one another spinoff room. Wow. Okay. No, no, another spinoff room. No, no. I mean, no, this is a com- I mean, honestly, like, okay, let me yeah. say as an observer, right? This, I mean, the thing is, let's, let's discuss it out later on because I think the key thing is this is how a lot of people think. And it's not, it's, it's fine because like, even on the, uh, in the, it's not fine. No, no, hold on, hold on. Because I think what's happened is we don't know what is right and wrong because we, we all live in different communities. We, we're sometimes not, we're not like, we're not engaging with a lot of people, right? And so oftentimes it's, these are the, like, sometimes the words may not convey the true feelings of people. And sometimes when you sit down and talk, you actually realize that you have much more in common than not. And all the things that you've all been discussing have been statements made to you by political leaders, right? Trump told every, their leaders, oh, the birth certificate is a big issue, right? Or, uh, you know, Democrats are telling um, th- their followers that, you know, Trump is the biggest issue sort of thing. But no one's focusing on the topics. And I'm, I'm thinking, like, if you to- focus on the topics you might agree way more than you realize, at least from the observation from an external person. Exactly. That's why they have the clickbait stuff, like the birth certificate, like, uh, you know, his, um, what is it, Trump's um, uh, history with women and stuff like that. Instead of focusing, making, holding your political leaders or those who you want to put in power to. Yes, it's all, what it's, if anybody's seen The Wizard of Oz, it was right there in that one scene. Do not pay attention to the man behind mm-hmm. the curtain. Right. right Right now you're blaming them, no. but this room well, was supposed to be about the upcoming midterms. It involves the whole time talking yeah. about Obama and Trump, two people who yeah. will never run that for anything right ever there. again. But remember, right it now. can't be solved in one hour, right? We're, we're starting the conversation. That's the idea. Yeah, we can't wait. We could have solved it in one hour if we had... If we had stuck to oh, right. uh, the topic, the, the three questions, but as yeah. I said, I I derailed us as I always do. Rob, I think this are- is this is Barbara speaking. I think one of the big one of the most breakthrough books that I've read called is called Willful Blindness. And I think people get stuck in these willful blindness and they don't see the reality. Margaret Heffernan, we should get her in a room and talk about her research around that. I think that would be in a future room. Dr. Francine and Heyman, I think that would be very that would be That would be a great idea. And, and Rob, uh, I apologize. I, <laughs> I, okay. totally, I, I totally want to know where the energy is. I do too. But Dr. Francine, can I just share the, we, just a reminder, we had, there's a book called Uncommon Ground. uh, Oh, Our Common Ground, forgive me, by Diane Hessen. And we interviewed her and after we vote and she went through and verified through five years of research with cross uh, party uh, voters and five years of conversations and surveys. And uh, she said that when you, uh, keep even the personalities out of it and talk about the pol- the policies and the issues, uh, maybe not even the word policy, because, you know, sometimes voters don't care about actual policies. But when you talk about the issues, 
And you start finding out in the detail, and it's a more nuanced, lengthy conversation where people find points of agreement. And then there are those red line issues, like where it gets involved with race, where things also tend to become more difficult and fall apart. But I I just want to share, that's another resource if people want to take a look at the book and the findings that is possible. And we haven't even thrown in gender. That's a very good resource because I thought I was... I mean, I was trying to tease out the areas of agreement between me and Jenny, you know, and and I, you know, there is a point where, Andrea, you're right, you hit a red line, and my red line happens to be racism, and, and a lot of the things she said about Barack Obama triggered me, and then she said that she doesn't feel that she is a racist, and so now, um, and I'm not going to do this, but I want someone else to do it who doesn't have high blood pressure to have a room on what constitutes racism. Because I think that is a discussion people in America never have and need to have. And on that note, you mean the, the not overt racism. It's not that yeah. like most people identify racism as something physical. It's not you just putting crosses in a yard or uh, lynching or or there's the, 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 the history of uh, redlining in America. But there's also subtle passive things to study. And I want to say it's not racism is not a monopoly that's just on mm-hmm. white people. Yeah. I know that black people, the Asians, everyone prejudices. There are different different forms of it. Yeah, yeah. There's prejudice, bigotry, and racism. All very three uh three distinct And the biggest uh, of them all is misogyny, topics. right? Yeah, and misogyny as well. And because I think Okay, you know, we're so. gonna get into that some other time though, because I am going to uh, draw, draw this room tokenizing. Yes, that's another one, Aaron. Yeah. Tokenizing by saying thank you very much for coming. I love you all. I love this room, Norm. I know that I didn't call you up because it was too close to the end. Um, so, but it doesn't mean that I don't love you. Um, and you will, we will get to speak at another time. And everybody else, thank you so much. Um, thank you for we love you, Francine. But Dr. Francine, two two seconds on energy. It's got to be women voters, the eighteen, the newly eighteen year olds, and the um, the folks who want to get behind Trump now. That um, that's a very long conversation. But it's definitely a conversation in the future. Yeah. yeah, but the another room that would be a good other room. Mm-hmm. So they should be energized too. And on that note, everybody should remember to vote. Sorry, everyone, no matter what you believe, please. We we need to we need to vote no matter how much we disagree and question leadership. And, all right. I love you all. And ask why. Ask exactly. Love you, Dr. Generational room as well. That'll be helpful. Yeah. Generational. Thank you. Take care and thanks all for joining us from Colin as well. And uh, sorry, North, we couldn't take you on because of the time. Take care.